Hello, you are welcome to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel for yet another powerful, sobering, and inspiring word from God. Grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick Kaluluma from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. Okay, so we've been looking at zeal, and we've been looking at zeal for life, and it has come at a crucial time because people's zeal for life has been under attack, and last week we looked at how zeal for life is beyond breathing. It's about living life with an expectation that you will see God's best and doing everything you can to also be the best version of you. It's about waking up every morning, thanking God for that day, and just activating everything within you to ensure you win on that day. And you put everything else behind you. We looked at how you can tell if you're losing zeal for life. You stop dreaming you start obsessing with death. You begin to respond negatively to the word of God. You isolate from people. And one of them is also you stop doing. You stop doing. The practical side goes away. And so we looked at some of the things that can cause a drain in zeal. And the first one we looked at was the offense of comparison. And we mentioned how you get offended if you live your life comparing with others because not everyone is faking it. Some are actually doing better. It's, it, trust me, some are doing better. What you see on social media is nothing for them. If you meet them in person, it's even more. Like, don't always have the mindset that everyone is just faking it. There are others doing quite well, actually. And you should be comfortable with the fact that there are people who are doing well. At the same time, you should not get, you should not boost your esteem from the fact that there are some people who are not doing well. It doesn't help you. And so we looked at the offense of comparison, and we said this one applies everywhere. It applies, we've seen it in the scriptures where Jesus gives Peter an assignment, and then he tells him how he will die. And the first thing Peter asks is, what about John? What about him? And Jesus says, what is it to you? You just follow me. Praise God. And I must mention, even with church, know why you're here. Praise God. And we're going to look at a few more points on uh, what can cause a drain in zeal. I'll give you another one. Praise God. Somebody say glory to God. So I've been given the official statistics for the podcast. Our highest is Zambia. Our second highest is the United States. Then South Africa. Then Algeria. Then Nigeria. Then Israel. Then Kenya. Then the United Kingdom. Praise God. 
So for those who listen from there, drop us an email. Uh, the email will be said at the end of this podcast. I'm sure you'll hear something like, wow, that has been an amazing sermon. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Uh, I, I had some people who came to visit me in the office, and I, it was my first time meeting them. And they were like, we're always listening to your podcast. So, you know, I played it. And then they begin to imitate all of them at the same time. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the Apostle Frederick Alma podcast channel. <laughs> Praise God. I even have the melody in my head, you know, something like that. So, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, are you part of this church? No, honestly, if you have no idea, we need to talk. We need to talk. Praise God. So, the second point when it comes to what causes zeal to drain is obsession with the things of the world. And here, I'll take time to talk so that I clear it up. Because uh, I'll, I'll take time to talk so that I clear this one out because there are two extremes on this one. So obsession with the things of the world. Praise God. And I'm going to show you a few words that Jesus said. But before that, let's go to Revelations 3, verse 17. Maybe for context, we'll start from verse 15 or 13 or 12. Wherever the media team sees fit, that we can have proper context. He says, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. This was the lukewarm church, right? And I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Hey. Uh -huh. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, those are words from the Lord Jesus. Let's look at it from the TPT. Just verse 17. This is what caused them to be lukewarm. What caused them to be lukewarm was quite... Jesus actually told us what caused them to be lukewarm. Praise God. I'll, I'll read it before you. It says, for you claim I am rich and getting richer, I don't need a thing. Yet you're clueless that you're miserable, poor, blind, barren, and naked. Praise God. Praise the name of the Lord. We are told in the scriptures... of a certain man who received a certain rebuke from God. And I want us to see Luke 12. And we're going to start from verse 17. 
Praise God. Luke 12. Maybe for context, we can start from 15. Wherever the media feels we can have context from. And he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? I have no room to store my crops. So he said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there I'll store all my crops and my goods. Uh-huh. And I will say to my soul, soul. This guy is actually the first guy I've ever heard who talked to his soul. Praise God. Apart from David, this guy says he's going to increase his barns. Then one day he will say, so, let's talk now. So he says, I'll say to my soul, so, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Next verse. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Uh-huh. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Now, you cannot serve both God and, we, we, we say money, but in the scriptures it says mammon. Here's something about money. Money is a very good servant, but a very bad master. I'll say it again. Money is a very good servant, but a very bad master. If it becomes your master, think about it. There's a human being in this world who can go to another person and fight with them over their own phone. Have you thought about that? Like somebody can meet a person, get a knife, threaten another human being over their own phone or their own laptop, or something, and go with it. Ha! Do you see that? What's happening there? They're serving mammon. He's a very bad master. And there is, this is something that can creep into the church, where you can get obsessed with the things of the world, that you lose your zeal for God. Where any reason that has to do with money becomes a good reason for you not to do anything in the house of God. Praise the Lord. God has shown us in his divine wisdom that no matter how much work he gave the Israelites, there was need for a Sabbath. There was need for a holy day. There was need for that. 
So don't get so obsessed that you never have a Sabbath to the Lord. Let me say that again. Here is the trouble with getting obsessed with the things of the world. And I'll show you from the book of Ecclesiastes. The trouble with getting obsessed with the things of the Lord, with, of the world. Ecclesiastes chapter number one. And I'll just read verse one and two. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. So you know who's talking here, it's Solomon. Solomon, I don't know what Solomon didn't experience. Because we are told in 1 John 2 about those three major things that affect people, right? The pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. And those are three major things. Even when you look at the temptations of Jesus, he was tempted first to betray God over his stomach. Praise God. And then afterwards, he's tempted to throw himself down if he's the son of God. Like, I mean, he's supposed to take pride in throwing himself and angels lifting him. Then afterwards, he's told, I'll give you all these. Worship me. So you can see the pride of life. You can see the lust of the flesh. You can see the lust of the eyes. And Solomon was experienced in those things. The guy became so famous and so renowned that his wisdom went all over. And important people were commenting on his Facebook statuses. I don't know if you're getting my point. Like suddenly the Queen of Sheba was retweeting his post. I mean, if that... And you know what's interesting? Those things feel good. But they just don't satisfy. There's just somewhere they can't take you. And then this guy, like, you know, there are people who, this guy had 1,000 women. They, he actually says there's nothing he denied himself, anything he saw. Praise God. Now, if there's anyone who's been going on that path, And then what else did this guy have? He had all the riches. Let's look at verse 2. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. After he's experienced all these things. So take it from him. He's been there, done that. And he comes back and tells you, useless. Oh, useless. It's vanity. By the way, I hope you know the life we've received from Christ is not vanity. That's why he came that we may have life. But what am I trying to say? There is, you must come to a place where you understand that everything the world has to offer is temporal. There's nothing the world has to offer that's permanent. And that's why you must build eternal treasures. Invest in certain things that are eternal. Praise God. By the way, you know friendships can be eternal. 
So you're all going to live for God. What am, what am I trying to say? Invest in eternal things. You know, uh, one of the richest men who ever lived, if you had to convert to today's money, is probably John Rockefeller, right? I always think, so as wealthy as John Rockefeller was, and his wealth is still working today, the guy never got to use a smartphone. His wealth couldn't buy that. It couldn't buy him a hundred more years. Hey. And then it all remains behind. You ever think about such things? The most coveted people in the world. At some point, Marilyn Monroe was one of the most coveted people in the world. Eh? Presidents were giving up their lives for her. But even that beauty couldn't buy her 50 more years. Then afterwards, she had to now stand before God. The hip-hop industry, heavily influenced by the likes of Tupac, D.I.G., don't ask me how I know them. <laughs> None of them lived beyond 25, right? I don't think they lived beyond 25. I don't know, as, as in what's the whole point? Alexander the Great, if I'm not mistaken, Alexander the Great didn't live until his 40s. I think he was in his 30s. What am I trying to say? Listen. If you are to give up your body, can, can you imagine there are people right now who gave up their virginity Blackberry. That's what their body was worth, a Blackberry. It's out of fashion now. So what, 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 what will end up happening? Somebody goes into a cycle now where they will always have to give up something so valuable like their body for an iPhone, which will be out of fashion a few months, then another few months, then another few months, then another few months. Like what's, what am I trying to say? Never do a trade-off where you give up eternal things for physical things. It should be the other way around. Your biggest trade-offs must be giving up physical things for eternal things. Now, someone may be saying, uh, Apostle, what if I want to be big? What if I want to be wealthy? What if I want A, B, C, D? You've desired a good thing. You see, the issue is not the desire to be great. That's not the issue. The issue is, do you desire it at all costs? That's number one. Number two, what are you going to do with it? Don't let it catch you by surprise. Plan for it. The Bible has given us a very good pattern. It says God is able to make all grace abound, that you may at all times be self-sufficient, Possessing enough to require no aid or support. And then it says, and also having enough to give. So meaning God wants you to be well furnished, to require no aid, to never have to go in debt, to always be able to live the comfortable life you're supposed to live. At the same time, to be able to make a difference 
the kingdom of God in the lives of people, whether those you know or those you don't know. And in doing so, you are investing in eternal things. Praise God. I'm telling you, these things are temporal. These things are temporal. The car you drive today, you may not necessarily want to drive it 10 years from now. No matter how much you like it. It may not be in fashion 10 years from now. The house you live in today may need some renovations 10 years from now. Don't trade off eternal things for physical ones. Your zeal will go down. Don't trade them off. So, I would encourage us all to read Matthew 5 and to read Matthew 6. Because Jesus gives us the perfect balance. He said something that's very interesting, which we have to acknowledge as a body of Christ. You know what he said? He said, your father knows you need these things. In short, the difference between people coming to church today and others watching online, for some of them, the biggest difference is just that others had a car. Let's be, let's be honest. Others had a car. Others, from the veranda, they had to put their leg in. <laughs> they don't know where they might find themselves. I, I've seen that before. Like where somebody's walking, they don't even know what. Before you know it, they're in, inside. So the difference today might just have been somebody has a car, another person doesn't. That might have been the difference. So in short, the father knows we need these things. But then he gives the next instruction, which is what should you do, though? Seek first. So the issue is who comes first. That's really the big deal. Haven't you noticed when you read Genesis 11 and Genesis 12, that they are very similar. What the Babylonians wanted in Genesis 11 is what God Abraham in Genesis 12. Did the Babylonians say, let's make a name for ourselves. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Then God disturbs them and then calls Abraham and says, I'll make your name great. I'll do this. I'll do this. But he said something very interesting. He says, I'll make your name great so that you can be a blessing to many. So it's really the motive. So yes, build that big empire. Yes, run that big business. Yes, get that big contract. But don't let it confuse you. Don't let it confuse you. Praise God. No, don't become that person where the day you touch 50,000, you can't fast. You find we're on our seven-day fast. A big deal happens, you've got 50,000. Fast forgotten. No, don't become that. Don't let money be that big to you. I don't know if you're getting my point. That's why sometimes train yourself. Fast on the 30th. I'm not saying do that every month, but at least once in your life. The same day you receive your salary, fast. <laughs> what, you, know, you know what? You know I love fasting. When you're fasting, what you're doing, especially if you're like me who really loves eating, it's a sacrifice. But let me tell you what you're doing when you're fasting. Among many other things. You're telling your body that eternity comes first. Eternal things come first. So in short, I can give up food for a moment because I want to pray. Praise God. Now don't take this teaching and use it to defend suffering. Because that's also, that's also, that also can be its own problem. When Jesus said, uh, it is easier for a donkey to enter through the eye of a needle. By the way, the eye of a needle is not like a needle. It's like a door. Okay? When he said it's 
easier for uh, a camel actually to enter through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. The disciples didn't celebrate. Have you ever noticed? They didn't say, wow, praise God, us who are poor, who enter heaven. No, they immediately said, hey, who then can be saved? <laughs> Have you noticed that? So meaning either they had money, maybe Matthew still had some tax left, and, and Peter, like a fishing gig, had gone quite well. <laughs> so, so the guys looked, hey, hey, hey. And then he said, hey, who then can be saved? And then Jesus replied, with man. <laughs> it's not possible, but with God, all things are possible. So meaning, with God, it is possible to actually be wealthy and still be very humble. Because there, there the teaching was really about humility. Not so. Because for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle, what needs to happen? It must lower itself. It must bend. Praise God. And so watch yourself. Watch yourself. I've noticed it um, in all my years in church. One of the things I've noticed, I don't know who started that teaching. I don't know where it came from. But I've noticed a lot of people when they get married, they stop serving. I don't know if you've noticed it. They just stop serving. It becomes fewer youth. And that's why you find people are growing old fast. Like no zeal in them. There's, you look at them, there's no glory. There's nothing fresh. There's nothing, you know, there's, there's that thing when, when you meet a believer. There's that, you know what I mean? There's that, that, that you know what I mean? Hey, <laughs> praise God. There's that. Somebody say glory to God. I can tell you another one I've noticed since I'm very free. My goodness. When people get jobs, someone would say, no, it's just that we don't have time anymore. It's not always the case. It's not always the case. Be very careful in that period of life. Don't become bigger than your zeal. Never become bigger. Sometimes a work schedule may mean you adjust. Maybe, maybe you used to come at 15 during midweek service and you're not able to because of work and ABCD. So it may cause for some adjustments, but there should never be adjustments in terms of your attitude. There should never be adjustments in terms of the state of your heart, the position of your heart. That should never be adjusted. The moment that starts being adjusted, you will start serving your job and not God. You have to be very careful. Be very, very careful. Be like David. The guy could still dance for the Lord. Praise God. Be very careful in that part. Be very careful. And, and this warning, you need it because you're going to be big. <laughs> in case you think you're already big. God is saying you're going to be big. We should still see that zeal. Imagine you enter this place, there are 50 CEOs, and no one can tell. No one can tell, because when it comes to church, everybody just blends in. I don't know if you're getting my point. 
Jesus was so blended with his disciples, they had to ask, who is he? They had to ask, like, which one is he? <laughs> Praise God. And so that's why be very careful. If you see somebody is growing in fire and serving the Lord, never say, ah, we like that fire for when you just get born again. That's the one. Or never say they are just young. Jesus is coming anytime from now. He might find them just young. And who will get a bigger reward? And I warn leaders, I always do. Never let anyone outzeal you. They can outskill you, but not outzeal. Not outzeal. Say, I will never lose my zeal. I will zeal it every day. <laughs> okay, here's the next cause. And this one, I also put it as a sign, but I can assure you it's also a cause. Perceiving. I'm using the word perceiving because it may not always be true, but sometimes it can be. Perceiving that you're alone. I'll say it again. Perceiving that you are alone. After this message on Sunday, I got a message on, on, on Facebook from somebody who was watching live. And they sent me a message and they told me how they, they, they noticed they had lost their zeal. And so I had a call with them and I realized, and they were telling me how they felt perhaps, they're not from this church, they felt perhaps they were not cared for all those things, and they hadn't been to church since January. So we had a long conversation. By the time we had done, I had managed to convince them to go back to their church and have a conversation uh, with one of the pastors. If they needed any help, I didn't mind giving a call. And from there, they were going to take it up from there. And so I... I got a text yesterday. The person was just thanking me for advising them in that manner. Now, I can tell you story after story, but I've noticed that the moment you begin to perceive you are alone or isolate yourself, danger. It's danger. And perceiving you are alone is a big deal because you can have many friends but still see yourself as alone. Catherine Kuhlman once said, you know, she was talking at some point and I think the last few years of her life, she felt a bit troubled. And one of the thoughts she said, and you know, she's got a, she had a very interesting accent. Sometimes I'm surrounded by thousands but I feel like I'm the only one in the world. Be careful. Look at 1 Kings 19 verse 4. 
And this is a gentleman who had just won probably one of the biggest and most epic spiritual battles in the scriptures. And afterwards ran away from a, from a, from a young lady. And it says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die. Wait, wait. Are you seeing that very unbiblical prayer that we find from Elijah? He prayed that he might die and said, it is enough, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. How can you go from winning a battle like that one? How can you go from beating 450 prophets of Baal to going before God and praying that you may die? Imagine that. But when you go over to verse 10, notice, he hadn't lost his zeal for the Lord, but he had lost his zeal for life. That's why I'm saying you must be careful also about guarding your zeal for life. Otherwise, all you will think of is going to heaven. It says, I, he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. I alone am left. And they seek to take my life. Question is, was this true? Let's keep reading. Uh -huh. Then he said, out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains. Okay. Go to somewhere verse after the still small verse 12, 13. When Elijah heard it, okay, let's go. 13. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him and said, Elijah, what are you doing here? Uh -huh. And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord your God, the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, go return you on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king of Assyria. Uh -huh. And also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. By the way, I must mention that uh, you must be very careful. Uh, now, moving to a more ministerial side, the moment you think you're the only one who can do something, you just might be replaced. Imagine, he goes before God and he's literally telling him, I'm the last prophet. And God tells him to, who to go and anoint in his place. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's interesting. Let's go on. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Are you seeing teamwork is now being introduced? Let's go on. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to bow, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So him perceiving he was the only one left was not true. He felt that way. And the thing about feelings 
is that they can be so real, but not true. Have you ever wasted feelings over a lie? Like where you literally waste your feelings over a lie. Like somebody told you this one said this. And you get so angry and say, you know what? I'm going to do this and do this. And you discover they didn't say it. But the feelings you felt were real. So what he felt was real. And so somebody can be feeling something very real. But it may not be true. You can have a real feeling that, okay, maybe I've got nothing else to do here. And the feeling you're feeling is real. But that doesn't mean it's true. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Now, let me show you the trouble with being alone. And Solomon talks about it in Ecclesiastes 4 verse 8 to 10. And I'll give you a solution, by the way. I'm not going to leave you hanging. It says, there is one alone without companion. Okay? Now, in case you think that scripture is directly referring to marriage, the very next verse answers you. He neither has son nor brother. So you see that it's generally talking about relationships. So it says, there is one alone without companion. He neither has son nor brother, yet there is no end to all his labors, nor is his eye satisfied with his But he never asks, for whom do I toil and deprive myself of good? This is also vanity and a grave misfortune. Look at the next verse. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. Next verse. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Now, there's a problem there. It means if you live an isolated life, for you, everything is about alone, 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 alone. There are certain challenges that you may need the help of another person to overcome. Praise God. I'll give you a personal example. Um, I'll, I'll be very honest with you. My mentality is the kind who I love to sort things out. So I noticed there are times there would be something going on and I'll just isolate myself to think. Interestingly, more often than not, I've found greater solutions when I actually have certain people and we talk. I've found greater solutions. Here's the thing. They may not always have the right thing to say or have the best advice or anything like that. But just having to carry something with others, the burden becomes lighter. And you know what that does? That clears you up to even get a better solution. It's something you must watch out for. Forget those teachings you've heard. Prophets are lonely people. Jesus sent them two by two. Jesus sent them two by two. I don't know if you're getting my point. He sent them two by two. Send them two by two. 
So, you must be very careful. You may say, no, egos fly solo and the like. Who says you must copy everything about an ego? Copy what the Bible says. You're not an ego. If we're going to go by that logic, Jesus said, be as harmless as a lamb and as cunning as a snake. Yes, Jesus actually said, be like a snake when it comes to cunningness. Now, are you going to get everything else about a snake? This is something we must really be careful about. I hope we know we are not lions, for example. You know you're not a lion, right? I, I, I don't know if you get my context. Otherwise, you'll start studying that Jew out the entire time. Everything about a lion is you. Do you know what you are? You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Like, did someone just shout, Life here, Londo? <laughs> Praise God. That's who you are. You're not. Listen, I don't know how to say this well. Because sometimes I think people get obsessed with these things. Yeah, beyond. Most of what we see in this are, are descriptions. It's like when there's something so big, there are different parts to it. It's like a plane. A plane is not the wing. A plane is not the tail. But all those things play an important role. At the end of the day, a plane is a plane. So at the end of the day, you're born of the Spirit. You're born of God. You can't fully be described by studying a lion. You can't fully be described by studying a sheep. You can't fully be described by studying a lamb. It's not possible. There's so much to you. There's more to you. So I, I really hope we are careful sometimes with these sayings. There are some sayings where I wonder the source. You know? If there's anything good happening in your life, keep quiet. You never know who your enemies are. What will they do? Of course, if something is sensitive, you don't have to say it. But where you start living life in fear, I, I, I see them all the time. You're getting married, shut up. You're doing this, shut up. You're doing this, shut up. No. <laughs> I don't know if you get my point. If you're a private person, be private. If that's not your thing, it's okay. As in, don't. Give yourself unnecessary rules where you start living life in bondage to, to what you don't know. I hope you're getting my And of late, the one I'm seeing the most is about brothers. Who betrayed Joseph, his brother. Who betrayed this, his brother. I'm telling you, if I used to believe all the stuff that is taught, I would be coming to church with a bad attitude. Because I would be coming to church looking for Judas. Judas can be anyone. Judas is the one who you... Th I've been to... Like when you go to a pastor's seminar and they're teaching you who Judas is. The ones who are most close to you. Ah! You start thinking, hey. You know what? I once had a very interesting experience. I had a dream on a Sunday morning. And in the dream, one of the people from church really irritated me. They did something very bad. So when I got to church... And I entered. I, I came quite early that day. It should have been a Wednesday or Sunday. I don't remember. But you know, the person was serving me. That's the one who was on fire. And I was about to get irritated with them. Like, and then the Lord told me, you see that? That was Satan trying to attack you through a dream. Because this person is very important to your life. 
imagine that. So be very careful. <laughs> and here's something you must understand. Satan attacks divine relationship. There are some relationships you should fight for. It's not everyone who, uh, the theory, hey, some people come for a season, others come for a reason. That's not, there, there are some people who, if you lose, you've lost a season. You've lost seasons. I don't know if you're getting my point. There are some relationships you must fight for. Where somebody has been such a blessing to you, suddenly you're always getting irritated at them, and they're always getting irritated at you. And not do something about it. It doesn't have to be like that. Praise God. Listen, there are some people who can track a certain safety in their life from a relationship they gained. And others who can track it from a relationship they lost. I'm not saying now you go text your ex. Eh. <laughs> Pastor was preaching today. So here, me, I'm just obeying scripture. <laughs> so I command you now. <laughs> I was watching a very funny movie which brothers don't need to watch. Hey, those brothers. <laughs> they made me laugh. Got his fellow brethren to pray. Sister Shani, wherever she is, God, I lift her heart. <laughs> Here's the thing. Now, somebody may be saying, Pastor, what if I really do think I am alone? Deliberately try to build some relationships. You can be deliberate about it. It's important. There are some relationships you must... Let me use this word loosely. There are some relationships you must humble yourself and force them. What am I trying to say? No, I, let me explain. I've had people, I remember someone once coming to me and saying, you know, God came and spoke to me and told me that you and I should be friends. So, yeah, okay. Let me, I even said, let me bless you. Just lift your hands, be blessed. And I moved on with my life. I was honestly not interested. I didn't necessarily need an extra friend. Ah, the person kept showing up. Before I knew it, I liked <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm, I don't know if you're getting my point. What I, what I mean to say is, when I say force, I, do, I don't mean it in a bad way. I just mean if you know certain relationships could be important to your life, do what you can to ensure they're good. Do your part. I don't know if you're getting my point. For example, there is a level I've put you all today considering that on such a rainy day you showed up. Yeah, doing your part. I don't know if you're getting my point. I'm not saying there's a level of removed the others. <laughs> but they'll need to explain. <laughs> <laughs> they need to send me pictorial evidence of the flood. <laughs> Hallelujah. Pictorial evidence with videos. What am I trying to say? There are certain things you can do deliberately. So there are, and, and one of the things you can also do is pray. Like ask God to show you who your divine relationships are. And then pursue them. 
If God says that person is divine to your life, pursue them. I hope you're following me. We'll go to this one, but I'll tell you, when you perceive you're alone, it becomes harder to do life. You can't do it alone. Should I give you a few more points? I've got so much to say. I'll give you one more for today. I've got like four more and then four other points on the other side. But I'll give you one more for today. And then I have to finish this series next week. It's a must. I have to finish it. I have to finish it. I have personal reasons why. I have to finish it. Okay. So. Praise. Hey, hey. Can we go to the book of Luke? Luke 22. You know, there's the normal scream you get. And then there's that one. Which reminds you of certain events. So. <laughs> Luke 22. Verse 31. Guys, you're scaring me. They're giving me memories. <laughs> there are some things I saw for the first time, so allow me to keep my <laughs> Lord Jesus. <laughs> Luke 22, verse 31. <laughs> hey! Today I was thinking, there's a sermon I would, I would preach one day called The Office of Razimai. <laughs> it's an office. And sometimes you can even see little Vazimais coming up. As it's like every lady can enter it. She can be 16, 13. I think when she just decides, okay, let me now enter my office of Vazimai. <laughs> hey, hey, guys, don't scare me. Luke 22, <laughs> verse 31. <laughs> hey. The Bible says, and this is another point of how this can happen. Sometimes it's an attack from Satan. You must recognize Satan wants your zeal. He's after it. He can directly attack it. In Luke 22 verse 31, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Uh-huh. Next verse. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And he tells him, when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And you see why the ministry of intercession is important. Because we need to put ourselves in prayer. We also need to pray for others. You notice, this guy, he used to come, and then this, 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 this. Before you talk about it, have you ever sat down and just prayed for him? Like, have you interceded for him? Take time to pray for people. There is something about receiving a phone call from a person who's praying for you. From a person who genuinely is showing your love. It even becomes easier to open up. So sometimes it's an attack from Satan. So as we wrap up, I will give a few solutions. And one of them, uh, 
just to cure the question of what do you do if you think you're alone, is you have to form some divine partnerships, okay? Learn to form divine partnerships. We'll look at that next week. Form divine partnerships. Um, it's a blessing if you can have friends that you don't feel, before I even go to pastors and all those, just from the place of friends, it's a blessing if you have those that you don't feel you need to pretend with. By that I mean you're not competing with each other, you're all cheering each other on, and then you're not pretending. You don't need to try to impress them. I don't know if you're getting my point. Those who, if you're experiencing a challenging moment, they won't, they won't celebrate it. It bothers them. Those are the best. Praise God. You may have nothing in common, but just that. that that's enough. And you know, sometimes it's easy to tell. You can tell by those who sometimes they're willing to go the extra mile. They're willing to check on you. They're willing to send you a text for no reason. Stop that stubbornness you've been doing with them while you build walls. Stop it. Honestly, some of us are pushing away very good friends because we're being stubborn. Because we have so much faith in the nobody loves me doctrine. That love is standing right next to you and you're failing to recognize love. Praise God. Gentlemen, don't go use these lines. <laughs> you can find someone is writing this down. <laughs> you know, a wise man once said, love can be standing right next to you. <laughs> Okay, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say, and, and by the way, the onus is also on the other end. On the other end, uh, let us build ourselves to be there for people unconditionally. Be that person who, if anyone wants to think of unconditional love, you're the first one that comes to their mind. Because at times, when a person is going through a low moment, they can frustrate you. So be able to recognize when it's them and when it's brokenness speaking. And here's the thing. I've learned that if you react negatively, you might just make things worse. So recognize moments where there are people who need you even more than you need them. And if in those moments you can be there for them, then you are really showing true love. Because in the Bible, listen, scripturally, if your love is always going to be on equal terms, then I don't know if it's really... <laughs> the love of God. It should not always be on equal terms. At the end of the day, there should be people who should look at you and you are there for them more than they were for you. Maybe because you had the power to be there for them. And then, you know the best way they can repay you? By doing the same for another person. Then we produce a virtuous cycle. People who are just there for others. Praise God. So be that one. Who, can, who, who is willing to be that one who's willing to go the extra mile, you know? 
Jesus gave us those teachings about the slap and the extra mile. You can tell what he was talking about is being that kind of person who can go a step further for others. Like you can go an extra level. You can go an extra way. Where you can be an answered prayer in somebody's life. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Be that person. So it's two-way. Then at the same time, recognize such people and hold on to them. Treasure divine relationships. Treasure them. Treasure them. Pray over them. Sort things out when they are not okay. Treasure them. Value them. Do you remember the story of the man who his boss fired him, but then he had uh, made friends using the wealth of his boss, so he was bailed out. It's in the parables of Jesus. And then Jesus said, make friends with all the mammon. What was he trying to say there? That friendships, relationships are actually a bigger asset even than wealth. They're a bigger asset even than that. And they can bail you out. So I pray we, I, I pray we start building such. Where we build relationships which are not transactional. Like, scratch my back, I scratch yours. No, but relationships that are just fueled by pure love. Not, shouldn't always be transactional. Praise God. How many have been blessed? Are you glad you're learning practical things? Is this lifting you to 2021? I hope you're in positive three. So I pray for you that your strength may not fail. I pray for you that you faint not. I pray for you that you recognize divine relationships. And I pray that may your divine relationships not fail. As a matter of fact, may God add more of them. I pray for you in Jesus' name. If you've had any divine relationships that have been affected negatively, may God bring such restoration. I pray for you in the name of the Lord Jesus that you will not have to do life alone. May God bring people divinely in different ways. Some as friends, others as colleagues, others as companions, others even in marriage. May God bring people in your life that will add value to you and you will add value to them. But I also pray for you in the name of Jesus that may God give you grace to be a solution in someone's life. I pray for you in the name of Jesus that through you may many be comforted. May you be known as a comforter. May you be the reason why someone still has strength. I pray for you in the name of Jesus for those who've been having a hard time whether physically, financially, mentally. I pray May the Lord of hosts, the Lord of angel armies, 
the Lord who has armies of angels, the Lord who can deliver entire nation in a minute. I pray in the name of Jesus that may you be delivered from that time to a better time in the name of Jesus. Your faith does not fail. Your faith does not fail. Your faith does not fail. Hey, you are standing. You are enjoying life in the name of Jesus. And all things are working for your good. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. It's somebody whose fire is being rekindled. Hey, in the name of Jesus. There's somebody having a special moment with the Lord right now. I speak that fire of the Lord. That fire, that fire. That fire, that fire. Hey! I want you to say after me, say, in the name of Jesus. I say yes to joy. I say yes to zeal. I say yes to life. And life in abundance. In the name of Jesus. somebody who this very week is going to experience cor the correction of an error. There's an error being corrected this week. It's very weak. But the Lord says there's correction of an error. That's exactly how I heard it. Praise God. Do you remember when the disciples asked Jesus, saying, who sinned for this man to be like this? Was it him? Was it his parents? Someone may have been asking, Lord, what error have I committed? Was it me? This one? Was it that? Was it that? Why did this have to happen like this? Jesus didn't focus on the error. He focused on what the glory of God was going to do in that person's life. As said, to the glory of God, this one is going to be healed. Your life is to the glory of God. So errors are corrected. Errors are corrected. Errors are corrected. Praise God. service. I have been so blessed and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the city of the Lord Church on 0 888 
If you are unable to call, you can email us on the city of the Lord Zambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.